Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. As many as 40% of people will get sciatica during their lifetime, according to the Harvard Medical School, and the condition becomes more frequent as one ages. But if it's among the more common causes of pain, it also is often mischaracterized and misunderstood. So what exactly is sciatica? What are its common triggers? What signs and symptoms suggest you may have it? How is it diagnosed? Can it be prevented? How is it best addressed and treated? Here with us today to answer those questions and more is physical therapist Mark Bishop, an expert on the condition and a prolific researcher. Let's listen in as Mark offers a primer on sciatica. So let's get started with a basic question. What is sciatica or radiculopathy or radiculitis, uh, which are other names by which this condition is known? Sciatica very specifically refers to sharp shooting leg pain, usually down into the calf or the foot. This can be associated with back pain, so you could have back pain and the sharp leg pain. The radiculopathy usually indicates that there's other symptoms as well. Maybe there's numbness or tingling, maybe a little bit of weakness. And the radiculitis kind of refers just to the pain. So sciatic is probably the most common name, and then radiculopathy covers the extra sort of symptoms that some people have with that condition. So most of us either have experienced or know someone who has experienced low back pain, uh, given that about a quarter of the American population reports having had such pain within the past three months. So to be clear, the terms are, are not synonymous in that back pain can have other causes, correct? Sure. You can have back pain without sciatica. Some people actually will have sciatica, the leg pain, without feeling a lot of back pain. So they can happen together, but they can also happen separately. They, uh, you, know, you don't have to have both things at once. So what are the most common causes of sciatica, and, and what are the things that typically might trigger it? Sciatica itself usually indicates that one of the nerve roots, one of the places where the nerves exit the spine, is getting some type of irritation. That can happen in a younger person, the contents of the disc between the, the vertebrae, the bones in the back, actually is kind of like toothpaste quality. And if it squirts out or herniates into the canal, your body's actually sets up a, a really intense inflammatory reaction to that, and that can cause sciatica without having any pressure on the nerve at all. As you get a little bit older, it's probably more likely that there's something putting pressure on the nerve. Maybe it's a change in the shape of the bones, like a bone spur, or the joints in your back maybe thicken a little bit, or maybe you actually bulge your disc out and when those sort of things press, or uh, particularly when there's chronic inflammation associated with some ongoing uh, sort of uh, pathology or problem in the back, that pressure will trigger the sciatica. That pressure is probably also 
going to give some of the other symptoms, maybe tingling, some people will have a bit of numbness, and then as the pressure gets greater, some people may even get a little bit of weakness associated with you talked about some of the things that uh, that can happen, and you mentioned pressure, which which to me uh, suggests uh, pain. What are some typical signs and symptoms that that one might have with sciatica? Yeah, so the primary one is definitely the sharp shooting pain down the leg. People may also have some sort of could be described as burning. Some people talk about tingling. Some people get a little bit of numbness or a slight change in sensation in the leg or the foot. Sometimes in the, as it, the pressure increases, you can also get the weakness we were talking about. Usually people, when they come in and, and will describe what's going on with them, there's a, a position that they won't like. For some people, that's sitting. And if I have to sit for 15 minutes, I start, start to get my leg pain. For other folks, it may actually be standing for a long time. So it really depends on what is causing that pressure about the position that people can't get in, but, but usually there's a position that they don't like or that you won't like when you, you have this sort of condition. And particularly, it's difficult to stay in that position for any period of time. So, you know, a lot of the patients we see will say, you know, I can sit for about 10 minutes and I've got to stand for 10 minutes, I can walk for a little while and then I have to sit again. And it seems like these kind of prolonged or being in any one position is not good. Mark, how is the condition diagnosed? How does someone know that they have sciatica as opposed to, to something else going on? Well, actually, the best way is this description of the sharp shooting pain. Someone will say, it's, it's really sharp. It's in my calf, much worse than in my back, or it's in my foot, much worse than my back. There's a couple of other tests that can help that a, every clinician will use, and that one of those is called a straight leg raise, which essentially is looking at a movement in your leg and how that might pull or stress the nerve. And if there's some sort of pressure or irritation on the nerve, that can reproduce the pain down the leg, so the person will feel the pain down the leg. With the pressure, people may also have changes in reflexes, the old tendon tap at the knee or at the ankle. Those might be changed. And so those are the primary tests that someone would do clinically. In the case where someone's got changes in muscle strength and maybe their reflexes are, are decreased, they may also end up needing some imaging at that point, particularly if the symptoms are getting worse over time. And they can look at the, the imaging and match what they see on the image, hopefully to the clinical picture, and say, okay, we think maybe the there's some pressure that we're not going to be able to change with movements or exercise or, or some of the other modalities that you can use conservatively. What types of things uh, might be involved in addressing and treating sciatica? The primary thing that a physical therapist would do or a rehab professional would do is kind of identify any sort of uh, positions that reproduce the pain or even better make the pain uh, decrease. So there'll be lots of movement testing, probably of the back and of the hip and of the leg. There'll be some exercises to address issues that are identified with movement. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard for me to tell you right now exactly which movement someone would need because you have to assess the person to work out what's going on. But in general, there'll be things like uh, flexibility exercises in, in some directions, you need to improve movement at the back and in the leg. Likely, if the person's had this sort of pain, 
their muscles aren't really engaged well around the lumbar spine and the hips, so there's probably going to be some strengthening, maybe some stability training. One of the really important things for people to keep in mind is that the discs in your back and a lot of the tissues in your back need movement to stay healthy. They don't have a great blood supply, so you have to keep moving to kind of um, keep the nutrition in the disc. So maybe walking is good, maybe whatever sort of exercise or activity the person can do without making themselves worse is going to be really important. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. So when, even though it, it might seem to someone who's in pain to be counterintuitive to move, what you're saying is that the, the, it can be very helpful. Yeah, and it's probably imperative, actually, just to date myself, in the in the 80s, what we used to advise you to do was, oh, quick, lie down. You need to stay in bed for a couple of days. And the follow-up studies of the sequelae of that sort of advice was actually worsening conditions in the back itself. The muscles got a bit weaker. The discs didn't have great uh, nutrition. So the advice now is to do as much movement as you can without making yourself worse, if that makes sense. So when you, someone suggests, oh, you need to rest this, what they're really saying is decrease the activities that make you worse, but keep doing as much of the activities that you can do. Now, I realize each case uh, is, is going to, uh, to be specific to that individual, but over what kind of time frame might it be reasonable to assume that one could find uh, notable relief uh, after going to a physical therapist? The challenge will be on the cause of the sciatica. In someone who's actually got the herniation of the very inside material of the disc, that's usually fairly short-lived. Once the body absorbs that material and your own sort of anti-inflammatory and healing processes start, uh, that, that should recover quickly, like uh, many other sort of injuries, maybe a week, two weeks for that pain intensity to come down and then the person would need to spend some time training the muscles and working on preventing a, a recurrence. As you get older, and that's less likely to be the cause, it may take several weeks of learning how to move and changing the pressure on the nerve and uh, repeated treatments and training to be able to resolve that problem. And then in some conditions, there's a condition called stenosis, which is a narrowing of the canals of the vertebral column. Uh, those people may need to learn how to move quite differently to stop uh, putting repeated pressure on those nerves. And once they learn how to move differently, lots of people recover very nicely until they move in the wrong direction, get the sort of re-aggravation uh, of the tissues and those type of things. And there's certain people who may eventually need to have some sort of surgical intervention 
if it's impossible to move what's irritating the nerve with conservative treatment. But it sounds like surgery is, is in an extreme case. Yeah, surgery is needed, definitely needed if, if there's other symptoms going on with the sciatica, like weakness that's getting worse. Uh, some people can actually um, lose control of their bowel or bladder, and if that happens, that, that, re that needs immediate surgery. But in general, there's some very good literature that shows that the results when you compare conservative treatment to surgical treatment in those people with conditions that don't improve immediately with exercise and flexibility, that the, the problem will resolve, but it's over a very long time. So maybe a, a year or even two years for complete resolution in those cases that are often recommended for surgery. And then there's the, the group, like I said, that have the, the changes that are getting worse, the loss of bowel or bladder, numbness and weakness. Those people will probably benefit from surgery earlier rather than later. Can sciatica be prevented? I mean, are, are there things that people can do and perhaps not do to reduce their risk of developing the condition? Now, that's a really key question because if we can solve that, then we've solved a, a really big challenge in the management of back pain in general. So I, I think just the general advice would be to stay active, stay strong in the muscles of your trunk, so back muscles, gluteal muscles in your hips, backside, your abdominal muscles to kind of uh, protect that area. Move a lot, move often, and those type of things will maintain the general health of the lumbar spine and hopefully f prevent any of these kind of conditions which end up pinching or uh, irritating the neural tissues, the nerve tissues. If someone is experiencing some of the signs and symptoms that we've uh, been discussing, uh, what would you advise that individual to do next? My first advice would be to call your physical therapist and go and get evaluated so you can work out if this is a condition that you have developed that can be managed effectively with exercise. You may need something like traction. There's certain people who uh, benefit a lot from traction, which kind of puts a bit of a stretch through the spine. Uh, so that would be the, the first thing, and I'd advocate that people stay as active as they can, even understanding that, you know, that the, the pain, they have a lot of pain in their back, but they need to stay as active as they can within that framework so that they can uh, keep everything else working while that uh, leg pain is resolving. Well, it's interesting you should say to stay as active as you can. Uh, what, what are some of the warning signs? I mean, how, how does someone who's trying to remain active know whether they're kind of overdoing it or whether they should continue and kind of try to push through? Yes, in uh, sciatica, particularly people who have the sharp shooting pain down into their heel or their foot and can't put their foot on the ground, that person's version of activity is not going to involve a lot of walking or those type of things, but to, to maybe move around the house and don't lie in bed. If someone mm -hmm. has sharp shooting pain into their calf and they can walk 10 or 15 minutes, then they should walk 10 or 15 minutes, but if the pain gets worse, their pain, the specific sharp shooting pain, and that means that they're, they're at a point where they're beginning to stress the or irritate the condition, and that's the time to back off, maybe do a different activity or rest for a few minutes to wait for the symptoms to resolve.
So basically, when in doubt, uh, see your physical therapist and and find out exactly what is going on if you feel like you're experiencing some of these uh, symptoms. Absolutely. I I think a physical therapist is going to be able to work out what types of positions that maybe you should avoid while you're trying to stay active. So for the people who have trouble bending backwards because it gives them sharpshooting leg pain, they're going to need a different set of advice and movements and activities and exercises than the person who can't sit or can't bend forward because it makes it worse. And so, you know, your physical therapist to be able to work with you to come up with a plan and say these activities are likely going to work well for you, these ones you should probably avoid for a week, and then we'll work them back into your activities and exercise. But I'd really say see a physical therapist who uh, has some experience managing back pain and sciatica. Mark Bishop, thanks for this uh, primer, and thanks for speaking with us on Move Forward Radio. Oh, you're welcome. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by moveforwardpt.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at moveforwardpt.com.